Hi there, and welcome to the Vertical Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information about Vertical, please check out our website at verticalministries.net. Wow, is this thing on? Here we go. We're good? Okay, wow, there's so many people here. Praise God. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is read Scripture. So 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 15 says this, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. John twenty nineteen says, peace be with you. Come on. Like scripture just preaches itself. Like why am I even up here? Are you not fired up already? Let's go. Praise God. Hey, vertical. I don't know if you know this, but you're making history tonight. Like you just being here in this place, your butt in that chair or on the floor is making history. There's never been before a student-led vertical. That's crazy. Um, Let me clarify a few things before we get started. Yes, that is correct. I am balding. No, I am not Dale Wallace. We get mixed up a lot. We talk a lot. We're both balding. We act the same way. We talk the same way. I'm not Dale Wallace. I'm actually Miles Lenski. Yeah. Praise him. Let's go. I actually also get confused for another pastor here in Waco, and he actually steals a lot of my clothes. So I think we have a picture. Brady Herbert, right? No? Ah, man, you'll have to see the picture later. Come and follow me on Instagram and stuff and Twitter. And I wore it better, just, just so you know, I wore it better. Guys, I'm so excited you're here. Like I said, my name is Miles Lenski. I'm the student president here at Vertical. And I just want to give you a little bit more background on tonight. Two weeks ago, we were having our vertical exec meeting and we were on our knees and we were on our faces and we were asking the Lord, Father, what is your heartbeat for tonight? If you could have one message, Father, what would you want to tell the students of Baylor? We finished praying and we all kind of had the same idea that your life matters. And that's true, your life does matter. Your life matters both now and in eternity. You see, my prayer is that you know that you have eternal value, that heaven is your home. And I pray that you also know that your 80 years here on earth matter as well. But what we're going to unpack tonight is that you matter right now. That your college years matter. Your 20s matter. So I'm so excited to jump into that with you. And what's so cool about that is there's actually biblical evidence for that. 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 15 is actually an older Paul telling a younger Timothy that his life matters. But before we get into that, I'm going to pray. I'll pray for tonight. Pray that God removes me and that he just moves. As I'm praying for tonight, I would just love that you just pray for me. That all my fears and insecurities would be washed away. And that it wouldn't be me up here, but it would be him. Is that cool? Let's do it. I'm going to pray. Father God, we are in love with you. If that's not evident by this place being full then I don't know what is. Father, your grace is so tangible right now. And there's no place we would rather be but in your presence tonight. 
Father, I'm just praying that you would speak, that you would convict hearts, that you would move, that this place would never be the same because of tonight. Father, we're praying that we move further up into the calling that you have on our lives and further into you tonight. Amen. Hey, I remember the night like it was yesterday. I was in the living room with my sister. We were watching TV. It was just kind of something that we did. You know, we'd watch, we had a deal, really. I was the little brother. So we would watch one episode of SpongeBob and then we would watch four episodes of, you know, MTV Cribs or something like that. That was just my life. So um, praise God I made it through that. Like that was just like my life. I was really trapped in that time. But my sister, you know, praise God, she's amazing. Still love her to death. But that's what I had to do every single day. So it was a normal day. We were just watching TV. Something abnormal happened right after that. My mom and my dad came into the living room and they sat down. My mom sat down, noticeably in tears, sitting on the couch. My dad was in the corner not saying anything. The next sentence that came out of my dad's mouth mouth changed my life forever. And it's something I never thought he would say. He said, your mother and I are getting a divorce. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't remember what I was feeling. It's all a blur. I don't remember what I said or anything that happened. I do remember running up to my sister's room. I remember giving her the biggest hug I've ever given anyone. I remember crying until I couldn't cry anymore. That moment changed my life. And for the next three years, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, I struggled with three things. I struggled with an anger that filled me and raged continuously. I struggled with a depression that felt like it was a deeper than any ocean. And I struggled with the idea that my life didn't matter. That the only form of escape was ending everything. All that changed my freshman year of high school when I met this junior and senior dude, and I'll never forget it. They pulled me aside and they told me three things. They told me that they cared about me. They told me that Jesus cared about me and they told me that there was potential in me as a leader. I was like, are you kidding me? I haven't heard that stuff in three years. Like, if if that's true and if you're serious, then that's life-changing. So are you serious? Well, it's true and they were right and I'm standing here tonight because of them. Now, I don't tell you that story to make you feel sorry for me. Like, that's part of my story, but it's not my story. Right, God sustained me in that. Praise God. But I think we can all relate to that. Either there's a time in our lives where we felt lonely, where we felt isolated, where we felt worthless. Like, I think we can all relate to that. But I also pray and hope that we can all relate to those conversations that I had with a junior and senior guy in high school. I pray that there was either a coach, a parent, a family member, a sibling, a friend that pulled you aside and told you that you mattered that you had value, that you were important. That's what we're going to be unpacking tonight. The power of that conversation. And what's so cool about it is Paul is literally going to tell Timothy that his life matters. So if you have a copy of Scripture, just open it up right now to 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 15. And what we're going to do, vertical is a Bible study. If you haven't been here, if you've been tricked here, it's a Bible study. Congratulations, you made it. Praise God. We're going to take this thing verse by verse. We're going to take it word by word. And we're going to see what Paul has to tell Timothy. So let's jump in right away. Chapter 4, verse 11. 
It says this, command and teach these things. Check, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. We're already doing it, come on. What I want you to understand about verse 11, I just want you to notice Paul's authority here. He says, command and teach these things. These things, the next few things that he's about to say are important to him. These next few things are going to impact your leadership and they're going to sustain your life is what he's saying. So the next things that we're going to jump into are going to impact our leadership and sustain our life. So let's just continue to read the scriptures. Verse 12 says, let no one despise you for your youth. Let's stop right there. Hey, let me just throw out some names. Charles Spurgeon, Chris Tomlin, Carrie Job, Stephen Furtick, Louis Giglio. Charles Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers. He was a pastor at 19, people. Carrie Job, Chris Tomlin, they were leading worship at churches after they graduated college. Stephen Furtick started Elevation Church at the age of 26. And Louis Giglio, you might have heard of him. He started a weekly Bible study called Choice at a university you might have heard of, Baylor University, that launched the Passion Movement. Right, I said all of that and like that blows my mind and yet I still fall into the trap and the lie that I am not ready, that I can't do it, that God can't use me right now. Right, I'm always saying, you know what? When I graduate, when I get wifed up, when I have an apartment, when I have a full-time job, Father, that's when you can use me. But right now I'm a scrub. Hey, what we need to understand is that spiritual maturity is not dependent on time or age. I'll say it again. Spiritual maturity is not dependent on time or age. Look at new Christians. Right? Have you ever met a new Christian who's been like a Christian for two weeks and they're just blowing you out of the water and how much they love Jesus, how much they love reading the word and how much they love serving people? Like they're just blowing me out of the water. And yet I've been a Christian way longer than them. Why? Because spiritual maturity is not dependent on time or age. What's so cool about this is that new Christians are a great example. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you're a Christian. The living God dwells in you. Heaven dwells in you. You are his righteousness right now. You don't have to wait for anything. You can be used by him right now. Yeah, but some of you are like, well, Miles, I don't know if you've noticed. You were back there for worship, so you weren't really listening, but I'm not Chris Tomlin, and I'm definitely not Carrie Job. I'm just not as talented as them. And I'd be like, you know what? I don't even care. You know what you need to be? You need to be willing to be used by God. Because you're his righteousness, heaven dwells in you, you can be used right now. Are you willing? Let's continue in verse 12. He's going to say, but set the believers an example. And just pause right there. Set the believers an example. This part truthfully is so hard for me. Because I have to ask myself all the time, am I setting the example? I had a conversation with one of my roommates two years ago. It was really funny. He, I was sleeping. And he like busts into my room and he's like, Miles! Miles! And I was like, dude, like you just woke me up. You need to calm down. Like, come on. And he said, dude, imagine. Imagine if I had a wife right now. I was like, okay, I'm not your wife. But he was like, imagine if I had a wife right now. And my instinct was to, when I woke up, 
just scroll through my phone for an hour. And it wasn't to pray for her and get on my knees and pray for our marriage and pray that God would use us. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. And then he said, Miles! And I was like, dude, it's still 7.30! And he was like, dude, imagine. Imagine if I had kids right now. Imagine if I, I was a dad. I was like, okay. He was like, imagine if my tendency was to get home and turn on the TV and watch sports and not love my kids and pour out everything with them and play with them. And I was like, okay. And then he said, Miles, dude, am I even setting the example right now? And I said, heck no. No, I didn't say that. That was terrible. But what my friend was on to, he was understanding that if he wasn't setting the example now, there was no way he was going to set the example in the future. You see, I believe, I firmly believe that the habits you form now in college will determine, not might determine, will determine the type of husband, wife, mother, father, friend, mentor you will be in the future. I believe it. The habits you form now are going to determine who you will be in the future. Now there's grace in that. Praise God. Like, come on. Like, if I don't get it right, like, God can still redeem me and use me. But I'm telling you, the easiest time is right now. I was having breakfast with one of my former professors. He's been a mentor to me. He's been a father figure. I love him to death. He's so wise. And I asked him a question. I was like, hey, does keeping Jesus the one thing get easier in your 40s? He looked at me and he said, no. He said, growing in desire does but it never gets easier. He said, right now you have the most time you will ever have. He said, so do it now. Forming good habits will be the easiest right now. Breaking bad habits will only get harder. So that's why Paul's saying, set the example now. Let no one despise you because you're young. Why? Because spiritual maturity is not dependent on time or age. So what Paul's going to do right now, he's going to give us five habits that we need to be good at. He's going to give us five habits that we need to get in us, that we need to wear around, uh, around our neck and right on, the, right on our hearts. So let's take them one at a time. The first one that Paul is going to talk about is in speech. Paul's going to say that we need to lead the example in speech, but how do we lead the example in speech? Well, I think leading the example in speech is life-giving. So there's two things we need to understand about our words. One, words are powerful. Now, this one gets me all the time and I get really frustrated because like some people are mean, you know? Like some people just joke around and they'll be like, they'll say something like super mean and they'll be like, ah, dude, I'm just joking. Bro, it's just a joke. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. That hurt. Who do you think you are? You can't say that about me. You don't know me. But then I actually am hurt and I cry and like I go to my closet and I cry. Because words are mean, and words are powerful. If you don't believe me, read Genesis 1. God created everything by speaking it into existence. There's power in words. When God spoke, it was life-giving. He created, and it sustained creation. Like our words are powerful, we need to be using them to build each other up. The second thing we need to know about words is that we need to be generous with our words, right? So Jesus, 
was the most generous and encouraging person who ever walked the face of the earth, right? Correct? Yeah? Amen. Let's go. You're so awake. I love it. If I'm called to be like Jesus, if I'm called to be generous like Jesus, then I have to use every single one of my words to build someone up. Now, it's so funny because I don't do it a lot because, you know, sometimes I want to tell my roommates that I love them. Sometimes I want to tell them, like, hey, you did a great job. But then I'm just like, you know what? I don't really feel like it. Or sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe they don't want to hear that. Maybe they won't be encouraged by it. Like, maybe it'd be awkward. Like, what the heck? Why don't I just encourage them? It's going to bless them truthfully. So let me be generous with that. Let me not just keep it for myself. That's selfish. Words are powerful. Let's be generous with them. Continuing, Paul's going to be like, hey, we need to be good at life, in conduct. You got to set the example in conduct. So leading the example in conduct, man, that's just Jesus. Leading the example in conduct is Jesus. So ask yourself the question, how do you conduct yourself throughout the day? Think about your day right now and were you busy and rushed and worried and confused and stressed all the time? Were you running from, hey, waking up, now I got to brush my teeth, now I got to eat my breakie, now I got to run to class, now I got to like go to this meeting, now I have a one-on-one, now I've got to work on a group project. Who hates group projects? Come on. Or is there a piece about you? Was there a confidence to you? You see, leading the example in, in conduct looks like Jesus because Jesus was rooted in the one thing. And he had a peace about him where he could walk around all day and be aware of others. He could be aware of the needs of others. So the thing we need to ask ourselves is when you are going out throughout your day, what is the thing you think about most, yourself or others? Leading the example in conduct is Jesus. Let's keep going and Man, Paul's now going to talk about love, leading the example in love. I think leading the example in love is elevating others. You know, it's not a romantic love. If it was, then I would tell you to go, to ben, go see Ben Stewart's podcast. He crushed it. He did a great job. But I think what Paul's saying here is just loving others well, truthfully. And what does that look like? Man, it means assigning value to people. means making everyone feel valued that you come in contact with. Why? Because love changes everything. Truthfully, love changes everything. It's the reason you're still breathing. It's the reason you're in this chair right now. More than your career, your calling is to love. Your calling is to love everyone that you come in contact with. Why? Because the best leader, the best leader can make anyone feel valued. So Paul is telling Timothy, dude, you're going to have to love relentlessly, you're going to have to love recklessly, and you're going to have to love courageously. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't wait for people to like him. Jesus didn't wait for people to accept him. He didn't wait for people to follow him back on Instagram. He just loved him. That's why leading the example in love looks like elevating others. People matter to Jesus. They have to matter to us, is what it comes down to. Hey, let's talk about in faith and in purity real quick, and let's just keep this thing going, because God's preaching, so it's good. Come on. Paul says that we need to lead the example in faith, and leading the example in faith is praise and trust. Now, I don't know 
if you know people in Houston. But I had a lot of friends who had family members trapped because of heart in their homes, had no electricity, had no way to communicate with them. And in those conversations, I was incredibly blown away by the amazing faith that was in my friends. Because my friends believed that God had their families in the palm of his hand. They believed that God had made a way that he had won the victory. So leading the example in faith is praise and trust. It's, it's praising him in the pain and it's trusting in the trial. Leading the example in faith is praising in the pain and trusting in the trial. It's knowing that God has made a way and it's knowing that God will protect you and sustain you. And that's great faith. Now let's talk about purity just real quick. Why? Because I feel awkward telling other college students how to be pure. I have two friends in high school. One a family friend, one a high school friend. One did it the right way, one did not do it the right way. Leading the example in purity is give, not get. It's give, not get. My friend who was a family friend, uh, man, this dude just, bless his soul, he did not do it well, truthfully. He would tell girls that he loved him when he didn't. He would kiss girls before they were his girlfriend, and he would take more than he would ever give. And what my friend would do is he would hook up with a girl, and it'd be good, and then they'd break up, and then he'd try to hook up with another girl, and then they'd break up, and then he'd hook up with another girl, and they'd break up, and then he'd hook up with another girl, and they'd break up, and it just became destructive. Why? Because he never fought for purity. He was always more interested in getting than giving. Now, my friend who did it the right way, I kid you not, was dating a girl senior year of high school who had a curfew at 9 p.m. I kid you not. We would make fun of him because it'd be like, dude, it's 8.30. Like, why are you leaving? Like, we're seniors. And he was like, dude, I want to honor her parents and I want to honor her. The man made no provision for the flesh whatsoever. Like, he was gone by, it wasn't even, the sun was still out. Like, it was crazy. But that man fought for purity. And I'm going to tell you right now that the best time to fight for purity is right now. And you will fight for purity and you will be a light on this campus if you can remember that in relationships it's to give and not get. You will be a light on this campus if you give more than you get in relationships. It's just just the truth of it all. All right, we're cruising. Let's go on to verse 13. Wow, that was literally only two verses. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let's keep going. Verse 13, come on. Paul says this, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Paul's saying two things here. He's saying, one, there's a public reading of scripture, and two, there's a private reading of scripture. That public reading of scripture, that's together. As we read scripture together, it's a horizontal connection where I can read scripture with you and be encouraged by you and what the Lord is doing in you and through you. So he's saying, don't miss the opportunity. You have so many people look around you. Don't miss it. But if I could be honest with you, I probably miss it way more than anyone in this room, right? Because I go to church, I hear the sermon, I get a carpool, I get in a car with all my friends, we go to lunch. We don't talk about the sermon. What do we talk about? We talk about, man, if we could have three plays back, Baylor wouldn't be 0 and 6, we'd be 3 and 3. <laughs> you know? Or I'm at Panera, and I'm like, praise God for mac and cheese bread bowls. It's like 2,000 calories, but it is good. 
and I miss an opportunity. Or I'm at Common Grounds and I'm sitting right in front of someone and I'm just on my phone reading about sports and I miss an opportunity to pull out the Bible. And I'm just like, man, I am missing out on this public reading of Scripture, which is together. Like, that's so essential. And then Paul says, hey, there's a private reading of Scripture that you need to do as well. That's that vertical, vertical connection. That's you and God. And he's like, man, I think Paul's telling Timothy this. He's like, dude, if you don't preach the gospel to yourself in the morning, how in the world are you going to preach it to other people throughout the day? You've got to preach the gospel to yourself every single morning. Renew yourself to the joy of your salvation. Verse 14, let's go back to the text. It says this, Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Hey, let's be honest. Every single person in this room is gifted and talented and anointed by God. That is a truth. Let's also be honest with one another. Neglecting your gift is laziness. And laziness is blatant disrespect to everyone who believes in you. What we need to understand is something that I was talking to a friend about from back home. He was like, dude, I really struggle with this, to be perfectly honest. Like, I struggle with my anointing and I struggle with my appointing, right? So I know I'm gifted, but God just hasn't placed me in that position yet. What do I do? I was like, dude, I don't know. But if I could offer a piece of advice for you tonight, it would be this. It would be to use your anointing to prepare you for your appointing. Use your anointing to prepare for your appointing because a lot of us think that I'm appointed and now God's just going to rain down all his blessings and gifts on me now. And it doesn't work like that. You see what God has done? He's anointed you and he's given you gifts since birth. Since the beginning of time, he's given you these gifts and he wants you to steward them well. He wants you to use them and hone them and practice them so that when he does call you, because who knows what he's going to call you to, you'll be ready. Hey, the last thing I want to say about this is when you recognize Jesus as the gift, then you will be able to use your gifts for his kingdom and his glory. But you got to recognize Jesus as the gift first. Okay, let's keep going. In verse 15, this is our last verse for the night. Praise God, some of you are saying, you're like, this dude's going forever. Verse 15 says this, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Erwin, McNe- Erwin McManus, he says this, what the world needs most from you is for you to be fully alive. The only way that you can be fully alive is by practicing these things and immersing yourself in them. Well, what are these things that I need to practice? You need to practice loving Jesus and you need to immerse yourself in Jesus. You see, it's not about you working harder or practicing more or doing more work. It's about Jesus working in you. Right? Thank goodness that the Lord married a messy bride because none of us are perfect. Right? You don't matter because you're perfect. You matter because God is perfectly working in you. You matter because you are being perfected. He's working in you. Like, how cool is that? So when God says, or when Paul says, through God through Paul, when he says, 
show everyone your progress. Let people see your progress. He's not saying do more work in front of people. He's saying bring people in and preach from your woundedness and let them know what God is doing in you. You see, the next time I'm going to be on a stage will be May 2018. It'll be graduation. And I'll walk across that stage and I'll shake Linda Livingstone's hand. I'll get my diploma and I'll look out in a crowd just like this. I pray that when I look out in that crowd, I don't think about myself. I pray that I don't think about my four years and just think, man, I had a good run. It was fun. I pray that I look out in a crowd and I see people who I showed my weaknesses to, who saw my progress, who I brought in and said, you know what, you're valued and you matter. I pray that's how my four years here are defined. Hey, maybe you don't believe me when I say that you matter. That's cool. Maybe you don't believe Paul when he says that you matter. But I pray you believe God when he says that you matter. So to finish tonight, I'm going to give you three things. Three reasons why, according to God, you matter. The first one is this. You matter because God created you. You matter because God created you, which means you belong. He created you to be with you. From the beginning of time, you had a home. From the beginning of time, you had a warm embrace waiting for you. From the beginning of time, you were part of the family of God. God says you matter because he created you. You're not just a creation, you're his supreme creation. Hey, the second reason that you matter to God is this. You matter because God sent his son Jesus to die for you. You know what that means? That means you're loved. It means that you matter so much to God that when he was separated from you, he made a way to get back to you. It means that gap that was separating us, he was like, no more. He sent his son to die for you. He ma- you matter so much to him, he chose you over his son. And you matter so much to Jesus that he willingly laid down his life for you. Like, you matter. Because God sent his son to die for you. The third one, the final one, is you matter because Jesus rose again for you. Now what this means, it means that you are never alone. Right? Jesus is with you. He's for you. He's in you. He's never going to leave you. He did this so you wouldn't have to do it alone. Deuteronomy 16.1 says that God led the Israelites out of Egypt by night. What I love about that is two things. One, just because you can't see where you're going doesn't mean God isn't guiding you. And two, just because it's dark doesn't mean God isn't with you. He's always with you. He led them out of Egypt by night. Still with them. God defeated death, sin, and shame so that you wouldn't have to feel isolation ever. He did it so you could be strong in the midst of trials. You matter to God so much so that he doesn't lead you into trials, he leads you through them. Like you matter to God because his son rose again for you. 
At this time, I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and we're going to close. I have one more scripture. I don't know if you remember it, but I threw it up there at the beginning. It was John 20, 19. John 20, 19 says, simply, peace be with you. And at this time, Jesus had risen from the dead. He's back a lot. And he's going to meet the disciples who are scared, nervous, frustrated, confused, and hurt. And what I love about this story is that Jesus enters into this situation. He enters into the confusion and he enters into the chaos and he offers peace. He doesn't yell at them. He doesn't say you're a failure. He doesn't say, what are you doing you don't believe? He offers peace. Why? Because they matter to him. Why? Because you matter to him. I hope you realize that Jesus tonight is offering you a peace that lifts the burdens of your past and permeates the, the, con- the confusion of your futures. He's offering you a peace that lifts the burdens of your past and permeates the confusions of your futures. It's a peace that says you matter. It's a peace that says you matter in the eyes of Jesus. Let's pray. Tonight, I want to pray for two people, two types of people. One, the first type of person is, hey, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I want to pray for you right now. And we want to give you the opportunity to start a relationship with this Jesus who is offering you peace. A peace that says your past doesn't matter anymore. You're made new and I love you. I've never been disappointed in you. Hey, if you want to accept Jesus tonight, I'm just going to ask that you just raise your hand on three. No one's looking. All eyes are closed. Just raise your hand. Shoot it up. On the count of three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, just put a hand up if you want to accept Jesus tonight. Praise God. Come on. Hey, the second type of person I want to pray for tonight is if you're sitting in this room right now and you want to live your four years for Jesus Christ, if you want to go all in with him, if you think that your life matters on this campus, if you believe that you can make a difference, if you believe that tonight, if you just shoot your hand up, if you want to make that commitment tonight to make a difference on this campus, just shoot your hand up and we're going to pray for you. Praise God, you can put your hands up. Let's pray. Father God, your love is reckless. It's so undeserving. And yet you give it freely. You lavish it on us. Why? Because we matter to you. Because in your eyes, you don't see a mess, you see Jesus. We're so thankful for the sacrifice your son performed on a cross so willingly and so freely. Father, we just accept that tonight. And we say our lives are never going to be the same because of that truth. Father, I pray that we would never forget that and that we leave this place changed. Amen.